Welcome everybody yet to another episode of the Nailed It Ortho podcast. My name is Dr. Cole. I am one of the hosts of this podcast. Myself and Dr. Fitz started this podcast to go over high yield orthopedic surgery topics. But you are now tuned into our OITE review featuring myself and Dr. Spencer Woolwine. And we finally just wrapped up sports. And now we are on to everybody's favorite subject or topic of all time. And we're going to talk a little bit of basic science i know i know you guys just hold back your excitement i know you all are ready for this um, but if you haven't go ahead and hit the subscribe button just so you get updates of everything that we're doing and um i mean without uh without further ado let's go ahead and hop into some basic science you are now listening to nailed it the orthopedic surgery podcast featuring doctors jay fitz and wendell cole Hello, everybody. Welcome yet to another episode of the uh, Nailed It Ortho OITE review featuring my, myself and Dr. Uh, Spencer Woolwine here. And uh, we, we hope that if you have insomnia, you have tuned into the right place. Uh, we will be going over some basic science today, uh, at least for the next good amount of episodes. And, um, you know, if you have trouble sleeping, uh, you know, I'm sure this is maybe something that will put you to sleep. This is yeah. This is better than any lullaby they've come up with in history. So yeah, um, it, it'll be good. Yeah, we're going over some basic science stuff, the stuff that you know nobody wants to really you know sit sit down and learn. So hopefully this audio can can make it a little bit less um, uh, stressful to go through and, and memorize. A lot of we were talking about off air, but a lot of this is just like rote, just memorization. You know, it's kind of just basic facts that you just need to know. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I mean, and some of this stuff we'll cover multiple times like we do in, in other uh, topics just to hammer home some of these points. But uh, I mean, on the OITE, but also on the ABOS where timing is a little bit, I think, more important than the OITE. Um, if you're able to just kind of recognize some of these facts and spend a couple seconds on a question that gives you uh, much more time to to work on the kind of more difficult questions or the ones you have to systematically think through. So um, I get it. It's not the uh, most invigorating topic to learn about or to listen about, but at the end of the day, under, understanding some of this stuff does definitely understand or help you understand why we do some of this stuff in orthopedics. So um, I, I get it, but Hang, hang in there with us and we'll get through this together. We'll all hold hands and, and we'll come out better uh, surgeons at the end. You know? <laughs> yeah. And one, at least one of the good things about it is that like basic science doesn't change much. So if you learn it and you, I guess if you learn it earlier, but if you learn it, like it's not, not like, it's not really going to change a lot of uh, like, it's not going to change much. Like, you know, in, in this and like prom and stuff like that is be consistently new questions and things, but like, this is, there's only so many ways you can ask, like, what are the types of bone, you know, <laughs> yeah, some ways yeah. you can ask that. So it doesn't change too much. Exactly. Yeah. We, some of the stuff we understand very well and some of the stuff we don't understand that well. And so, like you said, this, yeah, there's no new major breakthroughs in, in basic science that are happening right now, except for maybe new drugs that are coming out, like the new, like anti-sclerostin or the, the other yeah. stuff that that's out there. But yeah, I, I think that's a good point is once you 
once you learn it early, then the rest of the time you review it, it's just true review rather than learning it all over again uh, for a, a second time. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into it. Um, so starting off with basic science and bones. So what are the two types of bone? Uh, I, I think that a, a lot of people out there would be a, a normal bone and broken bone. And then those are the two that, that we definitely care about the most in orthopedics. But uh, when we get down to the cellular level, you know, we have the kind of lamellar or more mature bone, which is uh, it can be cortical or cancellous bone. It's really stress oriented and it's, must, it's much less cellular uh, than the, the next type of bone, which is woven or immature bone. And um, the lamellar bone, when you look at the uh, kind of uh, the microscopy of it, you Google, Google a picture of it, or I mean, we've all seen pictures of it in our basic science lectures and residency and all that. It's, there's a lot of extracellular uh, products rather than the cells. So just know that this mature bone it has, is much less cellular. And then you have the woven bone or the, the immature bone. And that's where you get these uh, pathologic fractures, either from malignancy or infection or some other type of metabolic bone disease. And, uh, and also you see this in, in the normal process of fracture healing. Uh, the, the body will lay down a callus. It's not stress oriented. It's weaker, but it's definitely more cellular and it's definitely more active. So uh, again, the two types of bone are lamellar or mature bone and then woven and immature bone. And uh, speaking about uh, cortical bone, what are some of the characteristics of cortical bone? Yeah. So, you know, this bone is going to be a little bit stiffer. If you look in, we'll, we'll get into the young modulus at some point, but they have a higher Young's modulus and um, than, and, you know, woven or immature bone. And again, we'll, we'll talk more about the Young's modulus when it, when it comes up, but you know, this is, this bone has a slower turnover and is consists of like highly, um, highly packed osteons or like these, these systems or these Haversian or Volkman systems. And, uh, I remember a way that I, that I, cause you know, the Haversians and Volkman systems are oriented either kind of like um, uh, vertically oriented or horizontally oriented. And I, I would think of an H just standing up and, you know, that's kind of this vertical versus a V kind of reminded me of a, of a fish and they swim from side to side. So, you know, those are the um, side to side systems are kind of those horizontal connections between these, uh, between these different osteons. But, you know, they consist of these osteons and these haversians or, Vol or Volkmans canals or systems. And again, these have a higher Young's modulus or stiffer and it has a slower turnover. Now on the, other side of that, what are some of the characteristics of cancellous bone? Yep. So you covered the uh, cortical bone uh, nicely, but the, the cancellous bone, all that, that that's still considered normal, mature bone, it is different than the true cortical bone of, let's say, like a femur shaft. We're talking about the cancellous bone that's found in the metaphyseal regions of these bones. And it does have a lower uh, Young's modulus. It's definitely less dense. It has a higher turnover and it it's oriented in a way that, uh, that the, the stress lines, especially in like the femoral neck where you can actually see the, the stress uh, orientation of the uh, cancellous bone in that area where it does help provide a, a structure to 
the ends of bonds and, and provide uh, pretty much a, a differentiation between the really stiff uh, cortical bone and then the more mobile and less stiff joints uh, at the ends of these bones. And um, what, so, so all of these bones, I mean, they, they're formed and, and they're made up of a bunch of uh, extracellular matrix, but also of cells. And what are the main types of, of cells found uh, in bone or the ones that, that deal with bone? Yeah. So if you think of, you know, number one, you have our osteoprogenitor cells and, and those are the cells that are, uh, that are derived from uh, the mesenchymal stem cells. And, and these are all found in marrow, but these are the progenitor cells that are going to differentiate into our different types of bone cells. So then you have your osteoblasts, which help build bone, I think B for build, um, osteoclasts, which help um, take down bone or, or resorb bone. And you actually have your osteocytes, which are those osteoblasters kind of trapped in the matrix. And we'll talk about it a little bit later, but main um, main types of bone cells are osteoprogenitor cells, which again, come from our mesenchymal stem cells. And those osteoprogenitor cells can differentiate into osteoblasts, osteoclasts, and you also have osteocytes. Um, now, I somewhat just touched on this, but what are the uh, osteochondroprogenitor cells derived from and via what transcription factor, another high yield uh, point that they tend to ask a lot. So notice transcription factor. The uh, osteochondral progenitor cells, they are of mesenchymal origin. So they do come from mesenchymal stem cells. And uh, this is something I honestly, I can't even remember where I got this from. I think it was from when I was an intern. I was actually an anesthesia intern at Geisinger Medical Center in Pennsylvania. And I, I listened to one of their chiefs talking about their basic science during one of their lectures. And um, the uh, transcription factor for, for bone production is uh, all started with uh, RUNX2. And uh, as we'll learn down the road, the transcription factor for chondrogenesis is SOX9. And we, we kind of know that, that cartilage or the chondro uh, cells are formed before and they, per, they form a network prior to laying bone down. So you have your socks before you run. And so you have to put on your socks before you run. And that's how I remembered the transcription <laughs> factor. One. So the cartilage is socks nine and the bone is is run. But um, we'll, we'll kind of go over that a few more times, but it's just, that was the simplest way for me to make sense of these two that socks, you put on your socks before you run. So cartilage comes before bone. Um, and uh, what are some of the things that, that determine the differentiation of these osteoprogenitor cells? Yeah, so when you think about it, you think about, you look about the strain and then the kind of concentration of oxygen. So uh, we'll get about, we'll, we'll get into strain a little bit later, but what strain is, is the change in length versus the original length. So how much something is kind of moving around. And so if you're in, an, uh, if these cells or these osteoprogenitor cells are in an environment where there's a high amount of strain or things are moving around, moving around a lot, those are going to be more differentiated towards a fibroblast lineage. If you are in an environment where you have a low amount of strain, so things aren't moving around a lot, and you have a high amount of oxygen, this is going to lean these osteoprogenitor cells to go towards the osteocyte, or the osteoblast uh, lineage. Uh, and I just, I just think about this, uh, is, it, is that us as bone docs, uh, we like to chill. Uh, and, you know, when we get, when we get flustered, we kind of just like to take a deep breath and inhale as much oxygen as we can. So 
uh, low strains and in high amounts of oxygen. Uh, that's going to lead you towards the osteocyte or osteoblast. And in the middle of that, in areas where you have medium strain and low amounts of oxygen, that's going to go towards the chondroblast lineage. So again, to review, high strain, fibroblast lineage, um, the low strain plus high oxygen, again, or, or orthopause, we, we, we're pretty chill, so it's low strain, and uh, we take deep breaths and we are flustered, high oxygen, that's going to lead you towards the osteocyte and osteoblast lineage, and then medium strain uh, plus low oxygen is going to lead you towards a chondroblast. Uh, now, since we're, you know, we're all orthopods and we like to build bone, uh, what are some of the transcription factors for osteoblast development and how do they work? So these are, I mean, a lot of it is just alphabet soup at this point, but you're going to have beta catenin, you're going to have RUNX2 and uh, OSX. And uh, under times of mechanical stress, you're going to get these osteoprogenitor cells to release the Wnt proteins, which causes production of beta catenin. And um, we'll see down the road how sclerostin uh, kind of affects this uh, Wnt beta catenin pathway. Um, and I'll go into more depth about how what exactly happens. But uh, beta catenin then will travel into the nucleus to control RUNX2 production. And RUNX2 controls OSX for terminal osteocyte differentiation. So, again, um, as we go down this, think Wnt beta catenin is the overarching pathway that this uh, that osteoblasts develop under. And then uh, once you get beta catenin traveling to the nucleus, you get RUNX2 production. When, when RUNX2 is produced, that controls OSX for terminal osteocyte differentiation. Um, I understand you're just going to have to push rewind on that a couple of times to go over it, but, <laughs> sure. but again, uh, uh, that's, that's the pathway, and um, it's, it's just important to know. I think uh, just know the key points, Went beta catenin, RUNX2, and OSX. So uh, we, I briefly went over this earlier, but what's the transcription factor for chondrogenesis? Yeah, and these are all like easy, um, easy points on the test. So chondrogenesis is going to be SOX9, just like you said, you put on your socks before you can run. So SOX9 is going to be for chondrogenesis, and then that RUNX2 protein, that's going to be for uh, for osteoblast and you know kind of osteocyte differentiation. Now, what about adipogenesis? What is the transcription factor for that? That is uh, P par gamma two. It is something that we all wish to shut down uh, as we <laughs> for that fat production but uh, the p par gamma 2 is the transcription factor for adipogenesis and then uh, other uh, structures found in our bodies tendons and ligaments what's the transcription factor for that yeah so this is going to be scleraxis and i remember i used to get because so scleraxis is for tendon and ligament formation and I used to get sclerastis, uh, scleraxis and sclerostin mixed up. And I used to click one because they sound so familiar. And, they, and they'll put them like both on the, <laughs> on the as an answer choice. And you have to try to figure out which one it is. But scleraxis is going to be the transcription factor for tendon and ligament formation. Sclerostin, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And you briefly mentioned some of the um, some of the drugs that are uh, that are going to be against that that are kind of coming out. And we'll talk about that. But again, scleraxis is going to be for tendon and ligament formation. Now, when we, you know, say again, we've gone down this beta 
um, Cantonin pathway, which has led to that RunX2 production, which uh, which kind of controls that OSX for terminal osteocyte differentiation. Uh, but when we're looking about the osteoblast, what does the osteoblast like produce? Like, what are some of the different things? Yeah, at the end of the day, it's going to be bone. Osteoblast, like you said, it has a B, uh, produce bone. Um, the osteoclasts, on the other hand, are what's going to take away bone. Um, but how they work is basically they are, uh, they, there's a non-mineralized matrix of type 1 collagen, which is what bone is primarily made up of, is this type 1 collagen and alkaline phosphatase. And um, that it's a uh, matrix for specific proteins like osteocalcin. And there are certain uh, kind of transcription factors or uh, certain end products that are going to help the osteoblasts do the job that they are supposed to do, um, or they're going, the osteoblasts are going to release these products and help other cells do the jobs that they're supposed to do. So one of them is rank L or receptor activator of nuclear factor kappa beta or some, I think that's what it, it's yeah, capital beta ligand, yeah. And um, so what that is going to do, and, and I, I believe that it's the the osteoblast is going to produce that, which is going to help uh stimulate osteoclast uh differentiation and help the osteoclast do their job or tell the osteoclast to do their job, but then a free-floating um kind of blocker of rank is osteoprotegerin, which it kind of had, it almost says protect like an yeah. osteo, it's osteoprotecting. Uh, osteoprotegerin is kind of floating out in uh, the extracellular space. It's going to bind that rank L that's released by osteoblasts so that the rank L doesn't bind to osteoclasts and have the osteoclasts tear uh, bone down. Um, and, and there's, we have, drugs uh, that are anti-rank L that kind of performs this function and decreases the uh, activity of osteoclast to help improve the bone uh, mineral density here. So um, what are some of the receptors on the osteoblasts and, and what are their effects? Yeah, so you just mentioned all the things that osteoblast produces, like the, the rank ligand, type 1 collagen, and alkaline phosphatase. But the receptors on the osteoblasts themselves, so, um, you know, there's a receptor for parathyroid hormone, or PTH, and how that works is it uses adenyl cyclase as a mediator for cell signaling. And the thing they always love to test on is that pulsatile PTH stimulates osteoblast activity. It has an anabolic effect on bone, but continuous parathyroid hormone has an opposite effect. So if you pulsatile PTH, that's going to be an anabolic effect that's going to stimulate osteoblast activity. Oh, so that's PTH. Another one is 125 uh, vitamin D. So not 25, but 125, which is an active part of it. Um, and what this does is this receptor is going to stimulate alkaline phosphatase synthesis, uh, which we just said is, is produced by osteoblasts. So uh, 125 vitamin D is going to help stimulate alkaline phosphatase synthesis as well as production of bone specific proteins like osteocalcin, et cetera. And then you also have glute, uh, we, the, on the osteoblasts, there are receptors for glucocorticoids, which actually inhibit osteoblast protein um, synthesis. 
So, so far we got PTH, which as pulsatile will increase your um, osteoblastic activity. You have a receptor for 125 vitamin D, which is gonna help stimulate al alkaline phosphatase synthesis, as well as those bone specific proteins like osteocalcin. You have glucocorticoids, which is gonna inhibit protein synthesis. They also have receptors for prostaglandins, which are going to uh, activate adenylin cyclase and stimulate bone resorption, um, which you could think of some, I don't know, you, sometimes you could think that's a little confusing because if you think of PTH, it also uses adenylin cyclase. But for some reason, when PTH is uh, pulsatile, it increases osteoblast activity. When it's continuous, it has the opposite effect and decreases activity. Um, and prostaglandins work through that adenylin cyclase, but they stimulate bone resorption. And then you have estrogen, uh, which prevents bone resorption. And what this does, it increases the mRNA levels for alkaline phosphatase and inhibits adenylene cyclase. So uh, I think overall, big things to know about as far as receptors on the osteoblast is PTH used as pulsatile um, activity is going to help stimulate osteoblast and it works through adenylene cyclase. Um, the 125 vitamin D is going to stimulate that alkaline phosphatase synthesis. Um, the glucocorticoids and the prostaglandins are going to um, kind of work in the opposite way. So glucocorticoids are going to inhibit the protein synthesis. Prostaglandins are going to um, are going to stimulate bone resorption through adenylene cyclase, and then estrogen is going to inhibit adenylene cyclase and uh, prevent bone resorption. Um, so moving forward, what is alkaline phosphatase required for? Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I know you got to rewind that a couple of times. So, uh, one, one quick thing with the PTH, um, because PTH will, uh, yes, it does stimulate the osteoblast activity, but it also stimulates the production of rank ligand. And that the reason why pulsatile PTH is good is because when you get that, uh, when you're in between doses or in between surges of PTH, no rank ligand is produced. But if you have continuous PTH, you're just going to get a kind of a never ending cycle of rank ligand that's then going to continue to stimulate osteoclasts to do their job. So that's why continuous PTH decreases uh, bone mineral density and pulsatile is actually it helps it out. Um, yeah. but that is a, a quick little side note, but, uh, back to the question, alkaline phosphatase is required for the synthesis of inorganic phosphate and is important to bone matrix formation. So, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's something that we, um, measure for in the blood for high, uh, turnover, but it's, it's important for the synthesis of uh, inorganic phosphate and for the bone matrix. That is going to be kind of the primary structure and strength of the bone. And uh, we've kind of gone over them, but what exactly are osteocytes? Yeah, so this is like the bone cell. So these are actually old osteoblasts that are trapped in in the matrix um and i always think of like a, in the movie the matrix and you're just like oh yeah. i can't get out <laughs> but, but anyways um osteocytes are old are going to be old osteoblasts that are trapped in the maze in in the in the bone matrix um and so we're talking about osteocytes can osteocytes inhibit osteoblasts 
they can via uh, the release of Sclerostin, um, which uh, I guess we will get into now. Um, what exactly does Sclerostin do and how does it do it? Oh man, this is a, uh, this is a, a big one here. Um, so Sclerostin is going to limit bone formation. So it's going to uh, decrease your osteoblast activity and, and how this works is going to be via the Wnt pathway antagonism. So if you rewind to three minutes earlier, we spoke about the Wnt pathway uh, leading to an increase in that beta cantonin, um, you know, kind of leading towards osteoblast activity. And if we think about sclerostin, which sometimes they abbreviate as SOST, and um, uh, I may mis mispronounce this dick off, which is <laughs> DKK, uh, those are all inhibitors of this, of this Wnt um, beta cantonin pathway. And so the normal pathway is as follows, right? So this is a normal WNT slash beta cantonin pathway is as follows in the absence of sclerostin. So Wnt binds to LRP5-6 and prevents phosphorylation of beta-cantonin. So unphosphorylated beta-cantonin can pass into the nucleus and upregulate osteoblastic differentiation, thus increasing bone formation. So I will repeat that again because some of you are driving and nodded off there and didn't hear it. So we'll say it again. Um, so uh, went binds to LRP5-6 and it's gonna prevent the phosphorylation of beta-cantonin. Now, beta-cantonin, which is unphosphorylated, can go and pass into the nucleus and upregulate osteoblastic differentiation, thus increasing bone formation, which we know that is what this beta-cantonin does. But when sclerostin is present and DKK, um, something else happens. So the sclerostin binds to the wind, which causes phosphorylation of beta-cantonin because wind cannot bind to LRP5-6. So that leads to this LRP5-6 then phosphorylates beta-cantonin, and now it cannot pass into the nucleus and increase osteoblastic upregulation, thus decreasing bone formation. So I think like the big thing to know out of all of this is that, is that Phosphorylation and an unphosphorylated beta cantonin can go through the nucleus and, and increase your osteoblast and help and help bones. But if that beta cantonin uh, is phosphorylated, then it cannot do its job and you will not get bone formation. And that's and, and sclerostin and then DKK are going to inhibit that. So those are going to that's how uh, the mechanism of power works of how it decreases uh, bone formation through. Um, not being able to increase the osteoplastic upregulation. And uh, I know that's a lot to think about or go through, but if you just think about it, it makes sense. And, um, and, and that can get you some extra points on the test. And since we're talking about sclerostin and how this uh, decreases our osteoblastic activity and decreases our bone for, uh, formation, what are some things that increase or decrease sclerostin? So PTH is going to increase sclerostin, which decreases bone formation. Another reason on top of what I had just said about why continuous PTH will, it increases sclerostin and it also increases rank ligand formation. So it's going to overall causes decrease in bone formation. Um, and then calcitonin is going to 
decrease sclerostin. So you're going to increase bone formation. So uh, how I think about it is calcitonin, it tones down the calcium in the bloodstream by putting it in the bone and making it stronger. Whereas PTH takes calcium away from the bone and into the bloodstream, causing a breakdown of bone or decreased bone formation overall. Um, and so if you are trying to increase overall bone production, do you want low or high levels of sclerostin? Yes. And, and this is, uh, the, the, the father of learning is repetition. So we will repeat this as many times as possible. Hopefully that you all remember, you want low levels of sclerostin. Remember, uh, low levels of sclerostin, uh, gives you that unphosphorylated, uh, beta uh, catenin that can pass into the nucleus and upregulate differentiation. If you have high levels of sclerostin, you will have less um, uh, less osteoblastic activity. And just like you said, things that um, cause less osteoblastic activity is just like continued PTH, which inhibits sclerostin. Uh, I'm sorry, which increases sclerostin. Um, so, so just know that I know I probably just confused everybody, uh, but to repeat that, um, PTH increases sclerostin. So you have less, um, um, less, uh, uh, phosphor, you have less, uh, beta cancinin that can pass into the nucleus and upregulate osteoblastic differentiation, thus decreasing bone formation. Um, so just continue on and trying to repeat and hammer this in. What are some things that are going to stimulate osteoblast activity? So the, the stimulation of osteoblast activity is going to be the Wnt proteins because they are going to do their job and bind to LRP56 and prevent phosphorylation of beta catenin. So Wnt proteins are good for osteoblasts. Estrogen is good for osteoblasts, which is the reason why premenopausal women do very well in terms of bone mineral density, but the postmenopausal women, that's why you see that drop off in the bone density is because of that lack of estrogen and stimulation of osteoblasts. And then uh, intermittent PTH, like we said, if you're going to give PTH as a, as a medication or, or something similar, or you want to stimulate PTH, you want to stimulate it in an intermittent way. And I'm just going to go ahead and cover the things that inhibit osteoblast activity is going to be things like continuous PTH, uh, glucocorticoids, and sclerostin. So stimulation of osteoblasts, Wnt, estrogen, intermittent PTH, and things that inhibit osteoblasts are sclerostin, glucocorticoids, and continuous PTH. And if you, if you really just think about that in a, um, uh, kind of like a, just a realistic sense and things that you have seen in clinic, but you haven't quite understood. But so patients that are on uh, like long-term uh, steroids, uh, and I'm not talking like injectable steroids to get big, like Schwarzenegger, I'm talking like steroids <laughs> for, uh, for uh, like autoimmune uh, diseases or uh, part of cancer treatment. You're on steroids to help inhibit the uh, kind of uh, edematous effects of the chemotherapy, um, that's when you see the femoral head AVN and the femoral head collapses because that, 
that bone is so weak that it will actually collapse in those areas. And that's an in inhibition of osteoblastic activity and uh, then the continuous PTH. So. Thank y'all for listening to yet another episode of the Neanderthal podcast. I know we are really talking some basic science and I know all of you love this, but please hang in there with us. We will continue to um, continue to kind of go through this basic science stuff. So if you have not already, please go and leave a review and, 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 and go ahead and hit the subscribe button and the third and tell one person about us. I would help out a bunch. We are trying to get the word out that this is available and, um, and out there to help people. So until next episode.